This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wode, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal cast and YouTube. <laughs> all right, guys, welcome back. This is part two of our three-parter on graded markets got me rep and our good friend and fellow cabal member larry here who's helping us out with some perspective from the coin industry so we're going to touch on some topics we kind of touched on a little bit in the last episode with uh, market maturity liquidity and common outs Uh, and that's we'll we'll start with maturity so take us away rep so with the magic grading community we've really only seen cards be graded somewhere in the neighborhood of the last 10 to 15 years i believe is when uh the first reports uh, came back of people like uh daniel chang rudy and jim bruso grading cards but they weren't doing much with them they were just testing the waters to see if the market was there and it took up until maybe three to five years ago for any for any of these cards to actually start moving around so yeah. the market for magic seems very immature when it comes to uh, graded cards and even what people are looking to do within that space is both a consumer and a producer of graded cards which means there's a whole lot of volatility in prices and a whole lot of volatility in liquidity even among uh, fairly populated uh, graded cards and one of the things we wanted to know was what does market maturity look like in the in the coin market something that's been being graded for the past three decades now yeah right? three decades the market is uh generally pretty stable and uh i will say that recently there's been some turbulence but that's mostly based on wholesalers uh lowering their prices their buy prices on mm-hmm. certain coins if you look just in the past year or so uh a common date MS65, which is considered like collector grade Morgan dollar, has mm-hmm. gone from being like a $150, $175 coin to being a $100 coin. Wow. So it's fallen off of the cliff because the wholesalers are seeing less demand. So the market is in a weird spot right now. But as a mature market, it's generally more stable. I mean, for years, mm-hmm. you could expect an MS65 Morgan dollar to be like a like $150 to $200 coin, give or take a little bit. Uh, so it's just super stable generally and you know there's also other things that come into play with stability in markets is you see people try to create their own instability in markets which is pretty cool because certain like for example when you've been grading coins for 30 years yeah when you've been grading coins for 30 years you have variations of slabs uh so there's slabs that are actually more collectible than other slabs okay yeah, okay. people who collect the plastic, not the coins. And there's, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I have a few of those slabs laying around, but I never overpay for them. I try and get them cheap. Uh, that's but that, that's, yeah, there's a lot of little ripples in a very mature market, yep. and you can catch a ripple and you can make a little money on it. So that's the nice thing about mature markets stability and riding the ripples. Yep. Speaking of no. different slabs, sorry to cut you off. When the first coin at uh, a premium grade comes in and it's, you know, pop one of one, is that slab worth more overall than uh, two of two or 
even the third that comes in at that grade. So if you see something come in at a 70, and it's the first one, the first coin to come in at that 70. Um, the first one graded, or? At that, at that, at yeah. that pristine 70, yeah. Oh, yeah, so I, I mean, so that's, it's the thing, is like, initially when queens were graded, they, they've been grading queens for years, but they didn't start putting them in the slabs until 86. So they had what they call uh, a photo grade, which is basically where they take a picture of the coin and they grade it and they just give it to you in like a little flip. And so, yeah, so they that's weren't actually okay. in like tamper-proof slabs until the 80s. And that's when the money really started to come into the business because people were like, okay, these are tamper-proof. You know, I know it's not been messed with. And the other thing that happened was the companies offered uh, uh, buyback guarantees. So they said... Oh really tough to get them to actually follow through on it but <laughs> Imagine yeah yeah. Sure. yeah i mean if something goes wrong with the coin while it's in the holder mm -hmm. that they missed they're supposed to buy it back they won't always buy it back but you know that boils down to a difference of opinions a grade is an opinion at the end of the day yeah. it's not yeah. science yeah, so like, yeah said it's an art not a science yeah um, uh Talking about maturity, you mentioned, you know, seeing people try to manipulate the market themselves. Last year, as we took advantage, hatred was a thing, but that was just taking advantage of the actual market. You had Frankenstein's monster hit $15 for a right. week. Uh, you know, and that's, is that something that typically a shift that wide, because that was like a 10,000% increase in price. Right. Is that the type of thing that you'll never see in a mature market because you'll try to make waves, but it's going to be much smaller? Uh, are there like are there bubbles? Like the reserve list was a bubble for a long time in Magic. Do you think do those exist anymore for coins? Um, I, I think the big bubbles in coins uh, have come and gone, but you always see the the coin market, the graded coin market, go up when precious metals go up because you know you got people like me. I got my start in precious metals actually. And then I said, I looked at my uh, asset allocation. I said I had too much risk because I had too much in metals. So I moved some out of metals and into coins. So you okay. do see, you know, <clears throat> ups and downs. Uh, never a bubble like you see, like with the reserve list stuff right now. Mm -hmm. That's not going to happen in coins. You're never going to see a coin jump 10,000% in a week. Uh, occasionally a new variety of coin is discovered. And that will generate a lot of interest and hype. But, you know, that's generally pretty short-lived. It's actually kind of similar to, like, what happened with Frankenstein's monster. But, you know, it tends to be a little longer, a little more drawn out. The clean market moves a lot slower because the data isn't as accessible. We don't have sites like MTG Stocks to tell us, you know, what's going up yesterday and stuff like yeah. that. You don't have anything like that. We rely on eBay sold results, Heritage Auction results, other major auction house results, mm -hmm. and just, you know, just, just a feel for the market. And so it's there's a lot less data available in coins, and that kind of makes it slower. Okay. Okay. And also, the fact that coins have no real utility behind them. Rest That's magic fair. cards too. Yeah. So something with utility, new deck comes out. You know, you're not going to have a new clean album come out that makes everybody want that clean. That's it doesn't really work like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know. No, it's understandable. And uh, across the market, what does uh, liquidity look like for the varying grades? So something uh, that's a lower end grade versus a, a middle grade, and then um, as you move up to 63s, five sevens, and then the seventy. 
Well, I mean, there's there's always a sweet spot, you know. I've noticed that anything under a hundred bucks tends to sell faster, but the margins are a lot smaller. Yeah. So I I focus on like the one hundred to five hundred dollar coins, stuff I can move. Like if I need to, I can just ninety nine cent eBay auction it, and I can still get a good price for it. Yeah. Uh, I would call that like the modern of the coin business. So okay. is that that collector area where you know it's not like crazy rich collectors or anything like that. Uh, yeah, and I mean grade wise. Those it varies so much because you know you have common dates that are worth you know uh, coins are very driven by by the dates by the okay. rarity and okay. so there's people who won't buy common dates they will only buy the key dates so the demand is very lopsided towards certain issues okay. it's, so it's tough to really explain like I'm yeah. sure yeah no it, it's it makes like... it makes sense it's just hard to parallel because we don't really have that it would be kind of the difference between like if for whatever reason let's say uh, the Shocklands which have been reprinted three times now if the original Rav Shocklands had something that was even more specific about them compared to the others like let's say they only came uh, with one set of art or no borders or something like that and then the other printings just didn't have it people are going to slant towards that first date because it was the more, the more interesting the more unique than the next two yeah, I mean, I, I, that I think kind of boils down to, like, you know, pimping your deck is more of an eye appeal thing. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, the coins it's, have the same thing. You can pimp your set by collecting coins yeah. that have nice tarnish on them, for example. So, that's kind of a, a nice similarity there. Uh, okay. you, you will see toned coins on the high end of the spectrum. Uh, you'll see maybe a $1,000 coin sell for $25,000 just because it has nice toning. That wow. It's wow. absurd. That premiums become absurd. So competitive at the higher levels, and these guys are these guys are like surgeons, business owners. They make so much money, disposable income that they can just dump into their passion, and they do it. That's pretty crazy okay. stuff. Yeah. Wow. So what's you know, we touched on the eighty-five grand lotus. What's the record coin right now? Like, what's the highest auction? Do you know? The the highest one. Highest coin that sold was a seventeen ninety four dollar. It sold for ten million, probably about I want to say three or four years ago. That wow. was kind of a weird auction. There was a lot of. Uh, it was a public auction, but the bidding jumped from like eight something to ten, because one guy I think wanted the publicity, so he oh, bid. Yeah. He just dropped the hammer and bid ten million. I don't think the coin would have reached ten million without him, you know, pushing the bid up. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Weird flex, but okay. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of that's that's how it's I felt about the Lotus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I yeah. felt about the Lotus was somebody wanted to throw money at it for the publicity and push it up to hopefully try and you know bring in a, a rising tide to yeah. graded magic cards that are nine and nine fives and just try and lift everything up that way. I mean, you got to be careful buying high end stuff like that because. It's not like there's only going to be one of those out there. I mean, you could at some point there eventually will be, but there's always a chance another one shows up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, th so that's kind of it's a high risk thing. That's part of the reason why you're seeing prices drop on those higher higher graded coins in that 65 to 66 area. Mm -hmm. It's because uh, the populations are increasing. Grading and coins actually fluctuates a little bit. So right now they're tight, but sometimes they're loose, and you'll see, you know. Hmm. People a, a 65 now might be a 66 in a year when they're looser. 
Wow. So huh. that's pretty. I've, I've personally seen a clean go from 66 to 64 and back to 66 in the span of three months. Wow. wow. That's impressive. Yeah. yeah to put that in the, in the comparison for magic cards, that's like going from a 9 to a 7.5 and back to a 9. Yeah. I, I can imagine that happening when, uh, what is it? Is it BGS rolled out their, uh, their booth for Gen Con last year yeah. and they were grading on site? That's definitely yeah, that I can see something real bad. That's definitely something I, I could imagine happening there when you're just under the gun. So you've just got to you know play a little fast and loose to try and get everything cleared out. Yeah, and they recently uh, BGS sent out an email that said, "Hey, we're tightening up our grading again. We've re- redone our standards." Mm-hmm. When that happens in the coin industry, is there like notice given, or is it like a word of mouth thing? Mm-hmm. It's no. just, oh man, they were way harsher on this than they were last time. Get the word out, guys. Don't grade right now. Basically, that's kind of how it is. But they're always busy. I mean, like I said, eight okay. times or six plus weeks. They there's no real financial repercussions to them for tightening up on their grades. It, you know, you just find out when you submit it, and half your coins come back. Uh, you know, a point lower than you were expecting, and Jeez. suddenly you're breaking even on the submission instead of making money on it. Um, <laughs> it is what it is. I mean, yeah. I uh, I try not to focus too much on how tight they are. What I try to do is submit quality coins that I can get uh, approved by the company that grades the graders. This is a thing oh. in coins. So they have yep. a company called uh, CAC, C-A-C. Uh, it's founded by the guy, a guy named John Albanese. He founded one of the original grading companies in, okay. back in the 80s, and he sold it. And he saw that standards were kind of lax. So he said, I'm going to start grading the graders. And the way he does it is he actually puts these uh, green stickers right here on the slab. And if he puts a green sticker on it, that means he thinks it's an A or a B queen for the grade. So that's him certifying this is real. Like this is the real grade. It's not going to regrade any different. Yeah, yeah. He said... That's backed by a purchase offer from him, so he will buy any coin he stickers. I'll make an offer on it. I'll make okay. an offer on any coin he stickers. And, uh, I mean, they had a lot of liquidity. Initially, when it first came out, you could get about a 25 to 30% increase over the base price in that grade if it had a sticker. Now, that's a little less. It's like 10%. Mm-hmm. So, okay. But it's still generally, it costs $15 for a sticker. Wow, that's not Okay, bad. so it's 15 there, and then you said like 30 to 40 for the coin. So you're looking at, you know, 50, 40, 40 to 50 bucks for it, but that really adds that much more liquidity to it just to have the sticker, like to have yeah. it audited, basically. Yeah, yeah, it adds a ton of liquidity to it. I mean, most de- there's dealers who only sell coins that are cacked. So oh, they, wow. won't, they won't sell coins that aren't cacked. And there's even dealers out there, uh, there's a very famous one called Legend, uh, one of the biggest in the industry, mm-hmm. they will intentionally downgrade coins to get the CAC sticker. Really? That's yeah, interesting. So, they, so that they have the connections to go to PCGS and hand them, like, say, a $500,000 coin and be like, this thing CAC, uh, John said it will sticker at, you know, one grade lower. Will you drop the grade? And they'll be like, yeah, sure, we'll drop the grade. And <laughs> they'll get the sticker on it and they'll still get their money. They'll still get their 500 grand for it. That's wow. insane. Good lord. Yeah. Unregulated yeah. markets are the best. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the, the high end of the clean market is pretty crazy just in the, in the way it operates. It's like on a whole other level. 
it's closer to the rare art market than anything else, okay. I would say. Yeah. yeah, but even then, you know, art is just on a, like up in the stratosphere. So yeah. Oh, right now, yeah, yeah it's huge. Yeah. yeah. Oh, go ahead, in, in comparison, the magic market, I believe, has two U.S.-based graders, and we just got a European grader. Yeah. Yep. And that's it. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's it. And it's funny because, you know, BGS is generally regarded as the grader for magic cards. Mm-hmm. PSA has been grading baseball cards for 30 years now mm-hmm. yeah. yeah no baseball card collectors that i know of want bgs they all want psa, PSA. they're the ones that have been doing it and it's it's weird to me that we went with bgs as a market rather than psa and is it for coins is there like when a new company comes out are they the hot new thing or do you go with you know your 32 year vets that have been doing it well, I mean, in the coin business, there's uh, there's several tiers of graders. Uh, okay. A lot of graders came back out in the 80s. Like, you can find all kinds of weird, you know, slabs out there from different companies. But today, really, there's uh, probably, I'll say, four or five majors. You have PCGS, okay. who is actually owned by uh, Collector's Universe, who also owns PSA. So that's the same company. Okay. They, they recently actually fired the CEO of PCGS, and made him made the the guy from PSA the CEO of the cleaning company too. So okay. Joe Orlando is his name. Joe Orlando. Uh, and then you have NGC. They are another first tier company. I consider them to be slightly below PCGS. I prefer PCGS because I like their holders more, and mm-hmm. I find their grading to be well, not even their grading, just they get more money on the market. Like you know, when you go to sell the coin, you get more money for it in a PCGS holder than an NGC holder. And then you okay. have the second tier, which is like. Anax, uh, IGC, yeah, and there's plenty of others. Then they would have the third tier, which is just the basement slabbers, uh, so-called. There's this dude in his garage with a machine just slabbing yeah. coins, putting MS-70 on them when they're like clean pieces of crap that are worth like face value. Uh, <laughs> so that's... And people people who don't know better spend money on these things on eBay, and they, oh. they waste their money. It's it's it, That's another thing you see in a mature market is a lot of people trying to uh, manipulate the system to their advantage, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But generally, it's PCGS or NGC. If you if you want, you know, the okay. best quality stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty interesting. Um, the the PSA yeah, so, link there, but good, Jason. Sorry. Oh yeah, no, you're fine. I was gonna say, like for outs, you know, you said there's a couple of wholesalers out there. Uh, for Magic, you know, and Rep, you may know just as well as I do. Some of the big ones, obviously, Abu. Is a great out for slabbed stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruso, who graded magic.com or Jim Bruso on Facebook, he buys everything. He even buys chaff. You can have this decree of silence, and he will probably give me a dollar for it, which is great because it's more <laughs> than it's worth sitting in a slab. But, he, you know, like you said, there's really, you know, a couple collectors, Reptar, and that, that's about it. Yep. You know? Uh as far as I know, uh, there's a handful of other players in the market, uh, but there are also the, a lot of players, or sorry, the same players that are on the very high end of the oddities market. So Noseni, no, Bach, Ben Carp, like those guys. Exactly. And occasional GP vendors, I guess. I know yep. Bernie over at Moose Loot does some misprints high end, depending on who's he's got in his booth. But yep, and um, I believe I I don't know if. 
uh, Adam Hotza, owner of Hot Sauce Games, is now into uh, slapped cards, or if he was just helping somebody put together a set, but I didn't know for a fairly yeah. decent amount of time he was looking for various uh, knickknacks. The last one uh, he picked up that I saw was a, sun, a 9 or a 9.5 sunglasses of Urza. Yeah, that was not too long ago, and yeah. I don't know if that would... Yeah, I don't know if that was that or... I know Troll, Jeremy Muir over at Troll, he's always got slab stuff on him, so yep. I assume Troll has a market for that stuff as well, but, you know, really it's like four or five big players, and as far as real money behind it, there's Bruso. Bruso and Chang, and uh, if you want to consider, I guess, Rudy, uh, big money behind it, there's uh, he's there. But he's only looking to buy very specific cards of very specific grades. I think the last yeah. one he did was part of just his, I'm buying every bazaar of Baghdad that I can find. Um, yeah. And that changed into uh, every alpha rare that I can find at a 9 or a 9.5. And he said he was doing this purposely to try and control the market on them. Yeah. So, you know, who knows how much he has and where he put it and when he, ten when he plans to release it, but... If you're not selling to, you know, one of those guys, there aren't a whole lot of notables out there that are trying to pick this stuff up in the open. Yeah, and that's, you know, going back to coins, is there, you know, you said you don't really know what your route is, right? Is there, no matter where you are in the industry, you know, okay, this is the guy, and everybody knows this is the guy for this specific coin. Like, does, is there the... You know, Silver Eagle Coin seventy. Who's the first one that's going to pay the most for it? And everybody knows that guy, or is it kind of just ask around and see what you find? By the for the most part, I mean, there's a you know when the seventies come out at the beginning of the year. That's not. There's so many people who want them, and there's so many of them like instantaneously, because you know yeah. the average grader takes ten seconds to grade a coin in an eight-hour day. You can do the math on how long it takes them to how many coins they grade in a day. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so those things pretty much instantly go out to dealers who sell them to their customers. It's like you know, it's like a, you know, a system like starts up top and it cascades down. Yeah. Uh, but there are certain dudes who make their own markets. There's a guy named Aurora Borealis. Uh, that's his online handle. <laughs> he collects yeah. high-end rainbow-toned Morgan dollars, and these coins okay. won't even find the market. They'll just be offered to him privately, and he'll buy them. Mm -hmm. And he has okay. insane coins. Uh, and you know he makes his own market. You know, he, they don't go to auction; they go right to him. Like it's okay. you know, so our guys like me, I could never afford those coins, but I don't even really get to see them until he shares them. So, yeah, okay, because they don't make it out to the wild. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a guy like that, he's dropping probably 150, 200 grand a year on coins, minimum. Jeez. So, yeah, I mean. You make your own market. It's it's a lot easier to do it in Magic than it is in coins, just because of the size of the market and the volume of cash. And coins is huge versus yeah. you know Magic, especially great at Magic cards. It's way smaller. Yeah. So, uh, so like him spending a quarter a year, where does that equate in the scale of things? Like, is he is he considered a big spender, or is that like middle to low ground? He's uh, he's. He's a big fish in a little pond. He's a big fish in a little pond. The okay. big spenders in coins are the guys like Simpson and Pogue. Uh, Simpson is actually co-owner of the, the Texans. Not the Rangers, oh. I'm sorry. 
the Rangers, yeah. the Texas yeah, Rangers. Yeah. Yeah. He's co-owner, Bob Simpson. Uh, yeah. I've heard numbers bandied about that he spends anywhere from one to ten million a year on coins. Right mm. now, there's a the owner of Real Salt Lake, Dudley Hansen. Uh, yeah. He uh, he's a billionaire. Uh, yes. And he's, his goal is to build the greatest coin collection of all time. He started three years ago. His collection's got to be worth like $150, $200 million right now. Any time a high-end set comes on the market, he just makes an offer to the owner privately to buy it through the dealer he works with. And he, he just buys everything. They don't say no. Yeah. Yeah. He's wow. just a vacuum for it. And that's okay. actually kind of how it feels with uh, an entity like Graded Power. You know, people yeah. know them. They're at Origins, they're at Gen Con, they might go to uh, Dragon Con. Uh, I know at least Jim goes up to GPC TAC, then they're at Vegas. Yeah. They are, you know, the name. Uh, Daniel yeah. Chang was putting up videos on, on Facebook of all the graded stuff he and the company has. Uh, Bruso has put up photos recently of all the, the stock they got recently ahead of uh, some event coming up. They spend. Yeah. I I can't imagine they spend anywhere close to, you know, one to two mil, on that stuff a year just to get graded, and yeah, like, that seems like an astronomical amount for Magic, but yeah, one that, one to ten is just insane. insane. But hey, yeah, and especially if he only started three years ago, and he's dumped that like. I remember when Shkreli made that post on Reddit that was, hey, guys, I have all this money, and I want to buy cards. What should I buy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, Altar of Bone became a $5 card because some idiot convinced him to buy it. Thanks, idiot. It was great. <laughs> but, like, I, I can't imagine someone with that amount of money and, like, what they could do to the market. So when, when he came in and he said, hey, I'm dropping fat stacks, did the market just explode, or was the rest of the market able to absorb that vacuum? Like, mm -hmm. all of a sudden, that stuff doesn't exist anymore. Did the rest of the market adapt to it? Because I don't think Magic could do that. I mean, well, basically, the, that boils down the difference in how, uh, how coins move versus how cards move. Uh, what he did was he flew into a major show, and he mm -hmm. just had a checkbook with him, and he walked around, and he bought everything nice. Didn't okay. negotiate, just bought it. Just buy, 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 buy. Wow. And I heard he flew in on a private jet with uh, yeah. with the hand with the handler and assistant, and he spent like three million dollars at his first show, just buying whatever. And dealers were like, apparently, this was like a feeding frenzy at the show. Like dealers were selling him crap, and he was buying it because you know he didn't know what he was doing. And then he hooked up with David Lawrence, rare queen in Virginia Beach, and then yeah. they've been taking care of him ever since. Like I think okay. that was like six months in, eight, seven months in, they start to work together. Mm -hmm. And now he's working with the president of that company, John Brush, who's a really great guy. Uh, and he's been working with him to really build a great collection at affordable price levels. Like now he won't just pull out his checkbook and slap it down and say, I'll buy it all. Now they, they have a plan now, basically. And they're aggressively okay. pursuing reasonably priced coins for their set. And when opportunities arise to buy exceptionally rare coins, sometimes he passes on them. I don't understand that personally, but you know he recently passed on a uh, five known 1913 Liberty nickel five known. Uh, it sold for something like 1.3 million, mm -hmm. and he didn't buy it. He didn't buy it. He's like, yeah, I don't want to spend that much money. I guess. 
and he didn't buy it. Wow. But there's only five known copies of it out there? Yeah, basically, those, it's a long story behind that. It was okay. some rogue mint workers decided to make them. And okay, yeah, fair. There was another one. It's uh, the first one that's come to market in 30 years. Uh, it's a like a $5 uh, gold coin from some time in like the 1800s. I don't remember exactly. That's not my market. Uh, but yeah, it sold for $2.6 million, I think. And he passed on that too. Wow. Wow. That's yeah. And on the, on the topic of, of five known, that actually touches on the topics we're going to get into the next episode. Yep. Uh, so we'll, we'll take a break here, guys. We'll be back next week with part three of three. So thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week.